Matthew chapter 27. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Glad you came to worship with us on this Easter Sunday. And uh, preaching a message this morning, um, it's a little bit different than most of the Easter messages the Lord has given me over the years to preach, but uh, I do believe uh, He has a word for us this morning, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting into His word. But um, when I was in high school, as most kids who play sports in high school, they have a they have a dream. And most athletes in school, when they hit high school, they have a dream. And that dream is to be a state champion. They want to play their, their best and they want to make it all the way to the final game and, 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 and score more points. And at the end of the game, when the buzzer sounds or when the siren goes off or whatever, they want to be ahead on that scoreboard and they want to rush out and they want to grab a golden trophy and they want to hoist it up and they want to be known as the best in the state. And that's their goal. Matter of fact, uh, our coaches used to tell us, um, uh, if you don't have that goal, you don't need to be playing for us. That was that was the goal. They said, we're, we're, we're not just here for a couple wins here or there. We're competing. We want to stay champions. And I was no different. I wanted that dream as well. And uh, my freshman year in high school, um, we made it all the way to the state finals in football, and we were we were actually favored, and and all all of us thought there's no way we're going to walk away not being a state champion. Well, it's amazing what will happen when you have eight fumbles in a football game. It's amazing, and uh, we ended up losing that game, and and so it alluded to us. And I started playing basketball, and they were pretty good, and um, on the ninth grade team, but they had a rule that you couldn't play on the varsity unless you finished the ninth grade year. Well, me and the basketball coach, the ninth grade coach, we didn't see eye to eye, and I ended up quitting the basketball team, and I wasn't able to play on the high school team because of that. And guess what happened that March? My high school hoisted a golden basketball trophy, state champs, and I didn't get to be a part of that. My sophomore year, I knew we weren't going to probably get there in football, but basketball rolled around. We had everybody back. We were loaded, and I thought, I'm going to play this year. And, and so I joined the basketball team, tried out, made the team. We were doing real well, and then right before Christmas comes, me and a friend of mine jump in my car at lunch, and we're, we're driving to the place where everybody liked to go eat lunch, and it was kind of a rush to get there. And so we're going, and I decided to take a shortcut, and the shortcut I it took involved going down an alley. And so I went down an alley, and I got to the end of the street, which happens to be a highway coming into the town. And when I got to the end of the highway, I looked to my left, and I looked to my right, and there were cars parked on the shoulder, and I couldn't see. And so I made a choice, and the choice I made turned out to be a foolish choice. Instead of just easing out and looking, I just hit the gas. And when I did, I ran right out in front of someone and smack had a car wreck right there going to lunch now luckily nobody was injured nobody was hurt uh, but that put me into a dilemma and the dilemma was do i quit playing basketball and get a job so i can fix my car and drive or do i put that off and finish the season and then drive well as any 16 year old will tell you Three months is an eternity when you don't get to drive if you have a driver's license. So I made the decision to quit basketball and get a job and fix my car so I could drive. And guess what happened in March? They won another state championship in basketball. My junior year, I had another opportunity in football. We, didn't quite, we made it to the final game and got beat again. So when all was said and done, 
I was a part of two state runner-up football teams and didn't get a single thing in basketball because I didn't finish the year. And all I have to look back on now is two things. I can look back and uh, second-guess myself, and then I have a little bit of regret because I'd never reached the goal that I had, and I made a foolish decision in a lot of ways. Well, this morning, some of you may be asking, okay, we're here for Easter. What in the world does that have to do with Easter at all? Well, let's find out. If you have your Bibles in Matthew chapter 27, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning in Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 15. The word of God says in Matthew 27, verse 15, now at the feast of the governor uh, was accustomed to releasing uh, to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at the time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew that they handed him over because of envy. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Verse 21, the governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Verse 22, Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And they all said to him, let him be crucified. Let's pray. God, I pray today that uh, you would bless the reading of your word. And now as we begin to examine it for a few moments this morning, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be in this place and the words would be shared would not be mine, but yours. I pray that I would decrease. I pray that you would increase and Lord, everything would happen today would be for your glory and for your honor. Lord, I know that this is a message that you've prepared today for each person in this room. And I pray that we would have open hearts and open ears, and we would be attentive to the message that you have for us today is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the story that I read to you has the main uh, character in it by the name of Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate is often remembered uh, in the story. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. He, he, he is one of the main characters in the crucifixion story of Christ that will forever be remembered because he, his name is actually mentioned in one of the first creeds that the church would ever talk and, and recite about Christ being crucified under Pontius Pilate. They made sure they inserted his name for historical purposes. And so there's a man named Pontius Pilate. He's often remembered as a character in the trial and crucifixion of Christ. But what happens over time so, time, so much, I think, is that what he goes through and what he does is often uh, overshadowed by all the events, and they're not examined there very much. But in the text that we read, we see some things that not only Pilate had to deal with in relation to Jesus, but we see him having to make a specific decision. And he has to make a specific decision that each and every person in this room has to make. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to look at the decision that Pilate made that you and I will have to make. And let's look at it from, and see whether or not he made a wise decision or a foolish decision. And for us to see this, I really just want to point out three things to you this morning. The first one is I want, to, I want you to see Pilate's dilemma. 
Pilate had a problem, just like I had a dilemma. Do I quit the basketball team and get a job, or do I play basketball and not get a job? I had a dilemma. I had to, I had to face this issue, and I had to make a decision. Pilate had a dilemma as well found in our text. You'll find it in verse 22. Look at it again. It says, Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? Pilate is asking the people, what then should I do with Jesus? Or what do I do with Jesus? And that is a dilemma that he faced. It's also a dilemma that every person in this room has to face. You see, each person in this room, we're going to have to make a decision this morning. What are you going to do with Jesus? And it's a dilemma. You see, because for the past 2,000 years, since Jesus arrived on the stage of, of Earth's history and, and Scripture recorded all the incredible things that it does tell us about him, like him being born of a virgin, him being God in the flesh, the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, the only way to God, the Bible says, uh, willing to lay down his life sacrificially to pay your sin and pay for my sin, and uh, was able to do that as a, uh, a, an acceptable sacrifice to God because of perfection, to the fact that he was handed over to be crucified. He was crucified on a cross. He died a literal death. He was placed inside of a tomb and three days, a borrowed tomb at that. It wasn't even his own. And three days after he was laid in a tomb, he rose miraculously on the third day, the first Easter morning, which is why we're here today. Ever since that, ever since Jesus arrived on the scene and all these miraculous things have happened, men have had to make a choice. What am I going to do with Jesus? And look, I want you to notice that choice is very personal. You see, it's not about the choice that your spouse makes. It's not about the choice that your parents make. It's not about the choice that your children make. It's about the choice you will make. What will you do with Jesus? So Pilate found himself in a dilemma, just like we find ourselves in a dilemma when it comes to what we're going to do with Christ. But not only did he have a dilemma, Pilate had to make a decision. And in our text, we're going to read and some of the things that we've shown in this text and some from other accounts that I didn't read, but I am going to tell you where they are this morning. There are four basic things Pilate tried to do with Jesus that uh, three things he tried to do, one thing he did do, and this is very relevant to us because I believe when we look at Pilate and what he did and what he tried to do with Jesus, I think it, it, it sums up a great majority of people today. And I want to give you these things that Pilate tried to do. The first thing that Pilate tried to do with Jesus, the very first thing, after asking the question, what do I do with Jesus, the first thing he tried to do was he tried to ignore him. He tried to ignore Jesus. Now, it's not in our text, but if you look in John chapter 18, verse 31, we find that uh, after they first bring in Jesus to Pilate, the first thing that he tried to do was ignore the problem. As a matter of fact, listen to it in John chapter 18, verse 31. John records it like this and says, Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your laws. 
You see, Pilate thought if I just take him and give him to them and ignore this issue, then the issue will go away. I won't have to worry about it. I don't have to deal with it. And so at first, Pilate didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. He just thought, you know what? If I give him over for them to deal with, and notice he said, your laws, not mine. He was the governor of Rome. He had final say. He could decide what he wanted to do. He didn't even want to incorporate it into Roman's law. He just said, take and do according to your law. Whatever you say, just don't make me a part of it. I don't want to be any part of this. I just don't want to deal with it. And I believe today the same thing is true that a lot of people do with Jesus. They simply just want to ignore him. You see, they, 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 they don't want to think about him because if they think about him or if you don't think about him, then they don't have to worry about him and they don't have to worry about the ramifications of his reality. You see, if you ignore Jesus in their mind, you know, if I don't think about it, then, then, then God won't hold me accountable when I die because I didn't really know. I never thought about it, and so it wasn't my fault necessarily that I don't know what I need to know about him. And, and so I'll just ignore the issue, and then I'll be okay. Well, I want you to know something. Uh, we see this today in our culture. Uh, men are very, very bad at this, and let me share, let me share exactly what I mean by that. Um, there are a lot of men today that just refuse to go to the doctor. They get sick, they have all kinds of symptoms, but you know, if I don't go to the doctor, then my problem's really not there, and I don't have to deal with it. They think if I just ignore it, it'll go away, right? Isn't that what we think? If I ignore the problem, it'll just go away. Well, I want you to know uh, that doesn't work that way. You can ignore your health issues all you want. It doesn't make them any less real. You see, and the same is true with Jesus. You and I can try to do what Pilate did, and we can try to ignore him and try to leave it up, leave that whole religious stuff up to other people, but that doesn't make him go away. Just because you ignore someone doesn't take away their reality. And Paul, uh, Pilate finds that out. So he tries to ignore Jesus, and then that doesn't work. And so he actually moves on to a second thing he tries to do. Number two, not only did he try to ignore Jesus, now the second time he's brought to him, he just tries to avoid it. He just tries to avoid it. And they're very close to the same thing, but there is a little difference. You see, in Luke chapter 23, verses 6 and 7, we find that after Jesus was sent away from Pilate, they bring him back, and this time he doesn't just ignore Jesus, he actually tries to avoid it. Listen to it in Luke 23, verses 6 and 7. And when Pilate heard Galilee... He asked if Jesus was a Galilean. And as soon as he knew he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod. So now it's, I don't want to just have no part of it. Now I'm shifting it. I want someone else to do it. I want to avoid it. I don't want to just ignore it. I know I can't ignore it anymore. He's here and I'm going to have to do something. So what I do, I shift him over to someone else and I just avoid it altogether. You see, after figuring out he couldn't ignore Jesus, he just decided I'd pass him off to someone else. And if I pass him off to someone else, then I can avoid the issue. 
And I want you to know there are a great many people today, I think, in answering the question of what they're going to do with Jesus, and it may be you here this morning, answering that question, what are you going to do with Jesus? You simply want to avoid the question altogether. You don't want to talk about him. You don't want to hear about him. You don't want to think about him. You don't want to read about him. As a matter of fact, you're highly uncomfortable this morning, even though it's Easter and you know you should be here because it's Easter Sunday and that's what we do. You're highly uncomfortable that a preacher's actually challenging you to think about the ramifications of what you're going to do with Jesus because you've tried simply to avoid the issue at hand. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I've got to tell you and challenge you this morning that avoiding Jesus doesn't make him go away. You see, they leave that to the peop religious people. You know, this religious stuff, this Jesus stuff, that's all well and good. That's good for you. You have fun, but they, they don't want to have anything to do with it. And so they avoid God's people. They avoid God's church and they avoid God's word because they don't want to have any part of it. But again, avoiding someone doesn't make them go away. In the eighth grade, I, I had a, um, uh, our school, they, in someone's genius wisdom, uh, decided that they would put the countywide alternative education in the junior high of my school. And what that means when I say alternative education at that time was the kids that kept getting in trouble that they couldn't corral, they sent to our junior high to be taught. And when I was in the lunchroom one day, this kid from Seminole um, saw me, and I was just happened to be glancing in his direction, and he had a razor blade out playing with it. And when I made eye contact with him, you know what he told me? I'm going to get you. That's what he told me. And I was, I was sitting there going, I didn't do nothing. What I do? I just happened to glance in his direction. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Well, I'm telling you what, I may not be the smartest person in the world, but I knew big guy, razor blade, me as an eighth grader, those aren't going to end well for me. So when he left, I sent someone out, and I said, hey, is he waiting? They came back in. Yep, he's waiting right down that alley for you. I said, all right. And I went out the other door and turned and went the other direction. I went to Grandma's house. Well, I ended up getting brought back to school, and long story short, he, they find the razor blade, they expel him, he gets expelled from school, and a couple weeks later, they let him back in, and all I was told was, you know what, you need to avoid him when he comes back. Okay, no big deal. The only problem with that, church, is you can't avoid people that don't want to be avoided, because I avoided him, but he didn't avoid me. And my eighth grade football picture, I could, if I had it, I would have put it on the screen for you. I've, I'm smiling, but it's not really a smile because this side of my lip is puffed out because he come up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder. And when I turned around, he said something to me, and I turned my head. And when I was trying to turn back, he sucker punched me right in the face. Yeah, it hurt. <laughs> no, he didn't knock me out. And all I could do was get mad and, and, and everything else that went along with that. But I found out it's something... You, you can't avoid people that don't want to be avoided. And you can try to avoid Jesus all you want, but Jesus is not going to let you avoid him. Here's how I know that. The Bible tells us that we are all put in the place that we're put, in the time that we're put it. He puts us in the exact place we need to be to give us the opportunity to seek him. 
And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that none of us will ever have an excuse because the invisible qualities of God, his power and his, all of that is revealed to us through nature so none of us can hide from it. You see, you may want to avoid God, you may want to avoid Jesus, but in the end you can't avoid the reality of him. Pilate tried to ignore him, he tried to avoid him, and then thirdly, he tried just simply, when he figured out I can't ignore him and I can't avoid him, I know what I'll do. I'll just admire him. That's what I'll do. Look at it in verse 24. Didn't read this far, far a while ago, but it's there. Look in verse 24. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, Listen, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. He called him just. And in some of the other accounts, when he was before Pilate, Pilate would make this statement, I find no fault in him. There's nothing wrong with him. He's a good man. He's done nothing wrong. He even says in our text that they were, he knew that they were mad because they were envious of him. He, he thought he was a great person. So I can't avoid him. I can't ignore him. So maybe if I just admire him, this issue will go away. I mean, that's really what he's thinking. He, he says here, uh, he washed his hands of it because that was the end stage. But when he would tell them, I can't find any fault with him, he was telling them, I don't want to have anything to do with him. He's not doing anything wrong. Leave him alone. And so his idea was, if I just admire him, maybe if I would admire him, the people would see, oh, this isn't that big a deal. And maybe they'll let him just be. But that didn't work. You see, Pilate hoped that his admiration for Christ would quiet the crowd. But if you read the story, you know what his admiration for Christ did? All it did was incite them more. They got angrier and angrier and angrier. And, and there are people today, I believe, that are doing the same thing. They don't, they don't necessarily want to ignore Jesus. They don't necessarily want to avoid Jesus. They simply just want to admire him. But the problem with only admiring Jesus, I mean, you can admire him as a great man, a good teacher, a just man, a friend of sinners, however you want to admire him. Um, I heard a, a quote this week. Um, uh, never mind, I don't want to go there. Anyway, you can, you can admire him all, all you want to, but I want you to know something. A simple admiration of Jesus doesn't have root. It has no depth. And thus, when one finds that they can't simply ignore, avoid, or admire, that's not enough. Just to simply admire him is not enough. When they find that out, that they have to make an actual choice, simply based off the fact that all they had was admiration, they will end up doing exactly what Pilate's about to do in just a moment. There's a great example of this in the, in the gospel account. There was a, a rich young ruler who come to Christ and wanted to know what he had to do to inherit eternal life. And, and the, the, uh, Jesus answered him and he told him what's it say and he answers the question of that. And, and, uh, and then Jesus leaves him with a simple command. Knowing that he was rich, he said, sell all you own and give to the poor. Don't, don't stop there. And follow me. Not admire me follow me and the guy being rich it says that he was disheartened because he was rich walked away from jesus you see you can admire jesus you may think he's a good guy you may think he's your best friend your homeboy you may think he's 
all this other stuff that we talk about. But simple admiration will lead you to eventually doing what Pilate did, and we find what he did in verse 26. After trying to ignore him, avoid him, and admire him, look what he ends up doing in verse 26. Then he, being Pilate, released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. The end's thing that Pilate did after trying to do these things, his ultimate decision on what he was going to do with Jesus was reject him. I reject him. You see, Pilate had all the authority in the world to just say, we're not going to do this. We're not going to crucify him. He's done nothing. And by the way, this is all things that he's already said. But if you read the text, you'll see in verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a, there was an uprising, he took water, washed his hands, saying, I'm innocent of this person, you see to it, and then he handed him over. You see, the ultimate reality is if you and I, if we, if we don't um, accept Jesus, if we simply just try to ignore him or avoid him or even just admire him, but we don't actually follow him as the Bible tells us to do, then the fact of the matter is we end up rejecting Jesus. Now, some of you think, well, what's the big deal? I mean, I'm not really, I mean, I am rejecting him maybe because I don't want to follow him. I want to do my own thing. I don't really want to do his thing. Uh, but what's really, what is going to happen? I mean, uh, the cost is too high. You, you don't want to, you mean to tell me I got to turn my life over to him and I, I have to let him uh, be in charge of my life? I'm not, I don't want to do that. I mean, that, that's a great and high cost. And I want you to know, that's probably what Pilate thought too. And so the question is, what kind of decision did Pilate make? Was it a foolish or a wise one? And the only way for us to really see that is understanding that he avoided, he tried to avoid, tried to ignore, and, and tried to admire, and then rejected. And the end result of his rejection is Pilate's demise. That's the last thing I'm going to share this morning. You see, here's what happened. We don't know everything that happened to Pilate. We don't. But what we do know is a few things. Number one, we know that Pilate was removed from his office within six years. So within six years of his uh, giving Jesus over to be crucified, he lost his office. That's what we do know. We know that Pilate was banished by the Roman government to Gaul. That's, we know that. Don't really know why, but we know he was banished. And he eventually committed suicide. That's what we know. And some of you are like, oh, so you're telling me if I reject this Jesus that, that I'm going to get removed from my job and I'm going to be banished to some place that I don't want to go and I'm going to eventually commit suicide? No. See, the real demise of Pilate has nothing to do with his, where he was sent to in Gaul or the fact that he lost his job or the fact that he ended up committing suicide. See, the ultimate demise of Pilate is found in the words of Jesus in John chapter 3. Let me read them to you, a couple verses. Verse 17 John chapter 3. See, we like John 3, 16 because it says, and it's true, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We like that verse because it's true. But that's not the end of what Jesus says. Listen to verse 17. Jesus follows that and says, he who believes in him, believing in Jesus, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. 
And then he follows that down a little bit later in John chapter 3, verse 36, and he says it like this, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God is on him. You see, Pilate's demise had nothing to do with the fact that he lost his job. It had nothing to do with the fact that the the community of people around him banished him to a place he didn't want to go. It doesn't even have anything to do with the fact that he got so low in life that he committed suicide. What his ultimate demise is, is Pilate, because he rejected Jesus, died condemned. And see, you and I, we have to make a choice this morning. Everyone in this room, what are you going to do with Jesus? And you have to decide, am I going to make a wise decision or am I going to make a foolish decision? You see, we're all people and we all make foolish mistakes. Every single one of us. We just do dumb stuff. I mean, we do. Sometimes we do it on purpose. Sometimes we do it on accident, but we still make foolish mistakes. Don't make a foolish mistake this morning. You see, the Bible promises you this thing, that though rejecting Jesus leads to an eternity of condemnation, that's not what God wants for you. You see, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that you and I have a problem, and that problem is sin. And there's not a single person in this room, including myself, that's clear of that. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a single person in this room that hasn't got sin in their life. Romans 6, 23 tells us this, The wages of that sin is death. You and I deserve death because we've sinned. God has set a standard, a mark, a righteousness, a perfection. We can't meet it, and because we can't meet it, because he is righteous, because he is holy, we deserve punishment. We deserve death. But then he follows that up and says, But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrated, doesn't just tell you, he actually demonstrates, gives you an example of his love for you in that while you and I were sinners, Christ died for us. And then the book of Romans chapter 10 tells us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So you and I have to make a choice. Are we going to ignore Jesus or try to? You really can't. You can try, but you can't. You can try to avoid him, but you you really can't. You can even try to admire him. You may come to church here and there. You may come to church all the time, but you're really just admiring him. There's no following him. There's no commitment at all. Then you can eventually reject him, which leads to an eternity separated from him. Or you can make the choice to surrender to him. But whatever choice you make, it's your choice to make. No one else's. Pilate said, What will I do with Jesus? I'm going to ask you that same question. What are you going to do with him today? 